Gear Podcast. I am your host. That is not what I sound like. That is so offensive. That's... Everybody listening is like, why did he say it twice back to back? We were talking about why that, uh, you, this is the Odeo Podcast. You know the intro, Christian and Witt. Uh, we were talking about uh, bef- before uh, that being our favorite, one of our favorite things to do is the little annoying voice impression, the universal annoying voice impression that can work for any person at any mm-hmm. time. It's the best. It can work for any person at any fucking time. Here's what sucks. Here's what sucks. And this is this is like bullshit. I just want everyone listening to know. Right before we went on air, I was owning these guys with it. I was yeah, owning both happens, of them. Bro. No, no, no. Fuck you both. I was owning you both by going, yeah, and then we go on air, and then they, I get turned on. That's not how I sound. <laughs> Brad literally just has a meltdown three minutes in. Dude, what if for the entire hour, the entire hour, anytime I try and contribute to the conversation, you just do that every point I make, you then say back to me with that little annoying voice impression. Oh, God. It'd be pretty, it'd be pretty unlistenable, I think, for most people. <laughs> They're like, we get the bit. Jesus. Anyway. So how we doing? Brett, we were talking a little pre. This is one of the. We usually talk more pre-show, yeah. and I think this is one of the. We didn't talk as much, and Brett mentioned he was in Florida. Yes, and he was like save it for the cast. Save it for the cast. Well, I could just talk so I was about. Like, um, I was like, all right, let's do it. So I'm going to throw it to you, Brett. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Nick, um, for throwing. <laughs> for throwing. <laughs> the uh, no, I was in Florida the last week. Uh, I was uh, doing a. Uh, like a production gig for this man who I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, who I, I stayed at the house of a 57 year old, uh, right. former convict. Um, and, uh, I went back for part two this past week. He needed me for a shoot to basically move lights slash take a couple photos slash also, uh, just kind of like, I think it'd be just to, and then edit his videos. But then also I think, uh, you know, be a form of not therapy, but just like another enjoyable person to talk to. This right. sounds like the this sounds like the beginning of a true crime podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, you know, I at first I was like, you know, I just editing videos, and then he had me come over, and then you know, next thing we know, we're in a million dollar embezzling scam. <laughs> so real quick, Brad, just to stop you for a second, I seem to remember the story like he, this guy was starting like some sort of like Amazon store. So you went down there to help him like yes. set up his computers. So yes. now he's, now he's on to like a YouTube channel or something. He's shooting shit. No, no. Well, it's for, he's shooting stuff for his Amazon store images and, oh, and videos. Got it, got it, got it's it. funny and, when you said he, Brett's helping him like set up his computer. It'd be funny if he flew him all the way down there to just like, oh, this is the on button. Like, <laughs> oh, you just didn't have it plugged in. Oh, yeah. all right, cool. Oh, it, shit, it, okay, all right. Here's some money. Thanks, man. In this man's defense, who I must say is a genuine great person and a true friend of mine, uh, he spent 22 years behind bars. So you did mention this, yeah. Think of how much the world has changed. So the fact right. that he knows anything about it's like he he was behind bars for 22 years and then he comes out and then he's now running an online like <laughs> internet specific 
business. Yeah. It's very impressive. <laughs> it's like wildly impressive uh, yeah, that he's he able to do this. Yeah, he got in when there was like AOL, like the the fucking CDs. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. The dial-up internet, and now he's he's coming back to like Wi-Fi. Like you have, like he has no context for like, oh, check your Wi-Fi signal. Like it's like, I'm sorry, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like he was sent the AOL discs. Remember those discs? Were those the internet? Was that the internet? Like you had to have those for like on gigs or something? In a way, yeah. So like it, install it, yeah. Yeah, it would install it, but it was also like, um, uh, I don't know, almost like an internet browser that you downloaded. So you had like your email yeah. and your search bar and all. Yeah, it was basically an internet. It was basically an internet browser that you had to download via CD-ROM. That was see that was even a little bit before my time. Like it was, you know, it's just different eras. Um, and now he's out and he runs an online business and this is, he is like one of the most impressive people I know. Uh, he's also my own personal Tommy Wiseau. Uh, and that, <laughs> and that he, he's like the type of guy who knows, he knows exactly what he wants, doesn't know how to say it and does, isn't necessarily right about that being the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But if that's how he wants it, and he's the billfold. That's how it's done. <laughs> Brett, I need help with computer. <laughs> God damn it, So Brett. what kind of stuff does this guy sell? He sells pool inflatables. Uh, yeah. Naturally. You know what? And if anyone wants to look it up, I, I'll give him a plug. I'll look, him, Do you know, it. look up G Loco. Go buy your pool inflatables from G Loco. Uh, so if you look you know, up, God G- bless America, dude. Like you could just, if you just pick a lane, he'll probably be very successful. Only in America like- <laughs> can you can you make a ton of money making and selling a product that you have zero passion for. <laughs> There's no one who yeah. just loves pool floats. There's no one who's like, nah, dude, this pool float, this yeah. shit. Like nah, dude. imagine he's like the Elon Musk of like pool floats. And he's yeah. just like, what if we put wings and make them aer- more aerodynamic? I'm like, but that's the thing. He he. Why pool? Why pool inflatables? Pool volleyball. He started at a pool volleyball net. And why that? Because there's criteria. He's taking all these Amazon business courses. Dude works like a fucking dog. He sleeps like mm-hmm. three hours a night. And that's because he is like the most interesting character study where he's like, dude, I only got like eight more years till I got to retire. I want a beach in Costa Rica and I want a hot 25-year-old wife. I think I'm entitled to that if I work hard. <laughs> like, I think I'm entitled to that. Uh, you know, he's like, and, and he's like half kidding but half serious about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's he's not kidding. But, uh, but um, why did the pool inflatables? He's taken all the courses and he's like, I know exactly like there's criteria for a right product category to enter. And if it uh, falls under these five criteria where it's like less than 20 competitors, the number one seller has under 300 reviews. The uh, um, You can see there's a software you can download. Where you can actually see how much sales a product sells on Amazon. Um, it's called like a maze owl or something like that, but you can yeah, literally yeah. any product, like it does, like you, just a regular person can see this moves $3,000 a day or whatever, $20 a day, whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. It's Amazon's crazy. Cause it's like the wild west. And like, I used to work for a guy who, uh, ran 
several Amazon stores. And you're only supposed to have one Amazon store, but this guy literally created fake identities oh. to have other Amazon yeah. stores. And um, like the whole game was like to, in order to get to the top of Amazon's page, and that's where you make all your money. Like it's real estate. Like like yeah. being on the front page of Amazon is basically like being beachfront property. You know, like that's where you need to be if you want to do anything, right? So what this guy would do is he would like he set up giveaways where he would literally give his product away for free. But the way it worked is like Amazon won't let you just sell it for free and then spike the algorithm anymore because they used to at one point. So he literally mm-hmm. like set up this program where like you buy his product, send him the receipt, and then he sends you the money back pay- with, through PayPal. <laughs> and he's literally paying, literally paying for people to buy his product. But it, like once like you do that like 50 – it depends on the product. But if you do that like 50 times a day for seven days, Amazon is like, oh my god, this guy's selling 50 of these a day for seven days. Let's move them up. And all of a sudden you're on the first page and then you get so much organic sales that like all of that giving away was 100% worth it. Because once you get to the front, all it is is like just making sure that you replenish your orders and get them into the, um, the warehouse so that there's no like pause in like your – delivery on it or whatever and then you're fucking printing money that's like there's people who do this all the time with different products i mean you don't even have to like it's like i said you don't have to have any passion for any of these products it's not like a a, something that you invented or like your version of this that you feel so strongly about it doesn't fucking matter just any shitty uh, anything you're you're 100 right and basically the way it works to my knowledge is you you Basically, you have the product, then you work with a Chinese supplier who already has probably all the specs for, you know, materials slash how it's produced. And then uh, then you list it. And Amazon as a business is genius because Amazon is literally just the store now. So they get a cut of everything. And then a way you can get to the top with is also just like buying ads, you know. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. in the, the ad at the number one spot for until you hopefully get enough reviews from that. But like Amazon basically makes even the suppliers give them money in addition to taking sales. Like Amazon they get money from everybody. Here. They get this money the from thing everybody. Amazon's business model is fuck you, pay me. Because yeah. Yeah. they don't care who you are or what you're selling. They will only put the people who pay them in the front. So right. it's like, and this is how it works, like, there's Amazon ads now, which is like the newest thing. And it's not new, new. It's been around for a couple of years now. But Amazon ads are the thing at the top. So you pay them for your product to be placed higher. If you're Am- In order for your product to be prime, which is what everybody buys because of the shipping uh, speed and things like that and the free shipping, you have to send your products to their warehouse so they can just ship it out. And when you send your products to their warehouse, they charge you rent for those products that are sitting in their warehouse and then they charge you a fee of the sale so if you sell something for ten dollars like between the 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 the, all of the ads you're spending on and and everything else you're probably walking away with like 250 nets profit but the goal of amazon is like no website will have traffic like amazon so like if you're making two dollars and fifty cents of profit but you get like a hundred thousand orders in a week (laughs) you're fucking killing it yeah. Right. The biggest companies now are just the ones that have the most eyeballs. And like that's the leverage of uh, all these like huge companies like Netflix and like Amazon. It's like and even, hey, you can put your thing on whatever, but like we have the most visibility. Yeah, and, and even, is the traffic of it, yeah. Any dude, even more broadly than that, 
it's not even just companies with the most eyeballs, people too. If yeah, like no, just true. amassing a following yeah. is now like a following is so monetizable now. Uh, and I, it almost makes me think a couple things. One, I don't know if we can ever not have a one hit wonder. Because if you get enough, a little bit of a fame, then you can always then just have a lot of people tune in to your bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then two, um, amassing just eyeballs is valuable. And the most recent proof I have that is like, if enough people follow you, they don't, no one gives a fuck. You can do it is Jake Paul, who is a, for people who don't know who that is, he's a YouTube star. He's like a 22 year old kid. He's been on, you know, YouTube and he's a, a brat. He's a piece of shit. He like him and his brother, him and his brother, Logan, um, who I'm starting to say, if anyone asks who my comedy influences are, I just say the Logan Paul brothers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like Chappelle or Burr. No, I just love Jake and Logan Paul. I think do comedy the best. They, there are these YouTube brats who like do they, I think typified the classic. It's a prank, but then uh, proceeds to, commit a crime uh, on another person. You know what I mean? Where they just like yeah. slap the back of someone's head and then are like, it's a prank. You just assaulted a person. But Jake Paul is a boxer now. And why is he a boxer? Cause he has 10 million fans or people who know who he is and follow him. And boxing as a sport is, I cannot believe what boxing has become. We've talked about it before on this podcast. And last time we talked about it, it's now sunk further. Uh, and what makes me think of that is, did you guys hear about the Jake Paul versus um, this man named Ben Askren fight? Yes. Yeah. 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 He was like a MMA fighter who, by the way, like made the transition to boxing. But everybody who I've talked to is like, he's an MMA fighter who was a really bad boxer in MMA. He was like, his specialty was getting on the ground. So like, it was like no reason for him to get into boxing. It's like, yeah. like Conor McGregor was like a really good stand-up fighter in UFC. Like, so him going into boxing, which wasn't realistic either, <laughs> was also stupid. But this guy had no business doing it. Even fighting a YouTuber, no business doing it. But yeah, I heard about it. But that was, so that was like the descent was like McGregor versus Mayweather. You're like, okay. Yeah, McGregor is no business boxing, like then the world number one all time boxer. Like he shouldn't be allowed that fight from a merit perspective, but from a spectacle perspective. Yeah, of course they'll do it. He's the two most famous fighters in the world, and they're different sports. But why not just make nine billion dollars? It's, it's, it's very similar to stand up comedy. It's like if you can draw, you can do it. Doesn't mean you're going to be good at it. Stormy Daniels can do do stand-up because she can draw because everybody was talking about her. And they're like, I guess I'll go see Stormy Daniels at the fucking Ha Ha Hut tonight because I got to see what the fuck this shit is. It's like there's some kind of like carnival-esque shit to it, you know? And it's like boxing is the same way. And it's like like at its very best, boxing is like stand-up comedy too where it's like, you know, you get a really great comic in a theater and they're making great stuff. And, you know, that's like when you get like Canelo and stuff fighting and it's great. But um, there's the other side of boxing. It's like a carnival. It's like you want to see this nightmare. You want to see this YouTube fighter. And that guy has so many fans on his own that it's a pay-per-view. Like you can sell the tickets. So if you can sell the tickets, then you're going to get it. That's just all it is. Um, And the funny thing is, is those guys, both of them are both fighters uh, now. Logan and uh, Jake, I guess, are the brothers. 
Paul. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like they, they made so much money hand over fist on YouTube because they blew up on YouTube. They had 10 million subscribers. They're putting out all these crazy videos. They literally like were had so much money that they were so bored that they became boxers. Like that's like literally they were so bored that they started fighting. (laughs) That's like how they got into it. (laughs) This this last pay-per-view just made uh, $75 million off of 1.5 million buys and $75 million. So I want, I wanted to ask you guys this, who do you think, who you got in a fight? Uh, Muhammad Ali or Jake Paul? Who are you going with? <laughs> Muhammad Ali now? <laughs> no, in his prime, for sure. I wanted to, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, that, if you could pull that off, well, the time machine or something, that's great entertainment. Like, I'm buying yeah. that pay per view. Well, that not only not, not only is it because of the time travel thing, but like, it's because, like, I want to see Jake Paul give beat the fuck out of by a real boxer. No, no, no. I disagree. I, I just want to watch two civil rights icons go toe to toe. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's like bo- boxing used to, God damn, it really used to be such a sport of just like classic American maleness. It still is. Not it's American, is. but just. Cl- but not in a in a you know it's like rock music. Its best years are behind it. Yeah, there's a lot of rock bands who like no one gives really a fuck about. Like there's like rock fans who listen to these bands, but there's yeah. no like mainstream. There's only like I feel like it's really just the Foo Fighters are left as like a mainstream rock band that's still out there, still putting out stuff, and like yeah. that's the only one that anybody really cares about. There's yeah. really no, you know, like no one's like, oh my god, dude, uh, I fucking love uh, Three Days Grace. <laughs> you know, like no one, like they're not Three Days Grace wouldn't be on like Jimmy Kimmel Live. You know what I mean, or or any or SNL or anything because no one, there's no like, there's no mainstreamness to that music anymore. It's completely gone. Yeah, I think boxing was like it was just the hardest hitting sport for so long, and there was only like. If you wanted to see two people fight, that was the only way to do it was boxing. But now it's like MMA. MMA is like the dominant sport now because it's more dynamic. I, I, I think it feeds into the bloodlust people have. More, oh, dude. So, and, and boxing could. And it has a regulated. Is regu- Oh, what do you mean regulated? So like the UFC, you like the biggest critique of boxing is, is like it's like comedy in the sense that like fighters will fight whoever they want when they want. And if, you you know, they can back out and not fight people. So, like, in the UFC, though, it's like a league where, like, Dana White's, like, the CEO of the league. And he basically, like, puts together these fights. He goes, okay, Conor McGregor's on the up and up. He's going to fight the best other guy. And it's going to be, like, the matchups are great. Where, like, Pacquiao Mayweather happened five years too late. Could you imagine if Pacquiao Mayweather happened five years earlier? It would have been, like, real fucking amazing television. But... It happened too late. So that, that keeps happening. I mean, uh, Triple G and Canelo fought like three years too late. And it's because like there's all this fucking dog and pony show and money and all this other shit, you know, whereas the UFC, they're like, no, you're fighting him tomorrow. Show up like they, that if one since it's regulated and you can control it more, you can make it more appealing. Yeah. But then it's also, uh, you know, Dana White also Vince McMahon's has Vince McMahon to all his employees and has turned the talent into uh, 
getting paid and exposure <laughs> practically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, it goes back and forth between what's best for the fighter and what's best for the fans. Because I, I mean, that's, that's true of comedy too. I mean, it's true of a lot of things. It's like, there's a lot of, you know, it's 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 the it's hard to say which one's better i mean if you're a fighter i'm sure you have a, a, a you know a stronger opinion but there's also a lot of boxers who like being like a fucking middle class boxer doesn't really <laughs> you know you're you're getting your shit kicked out of you for like very little money you know so i don't know maybe there's something to be said about the ufc shit you go on joe rogan's podcast and then you know, maybe you launch your own podcast or you start stand up like that other fucking fighter did. And then, you know, maybe there's more, you know, ways of parlaying your success or whatever than there is in boxing. Because boxing is so like, it's a desert. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, wouldn't it have been great if Stormy Daniels had brought a talented young comic? Like, I would have loved to see Christian Duran opening for <laughs> Stormy Daniels. Like, she was the guy that. Yeah. You know, an older comic brings a young comic on the road and it really helps them because it also money and then also like <laughs> reputationally. Like yeah. it would have been like Christian's making pretty good money. He's opening for people are going to want to hear what that experience is like. And someone like Christian would do well with an actual bump in exposure because he actually, you know, you already got the talent. It would be great um, if she's like, she's like, I mean. I actually want people to get a good show. So <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, like she kind of knows that she's not yeah. good at comedy. She's like, I need a real good comic to open for me. What <laughs> if uh, she just like started grinding and she became like legit and amazing awesome. comedian <laughs> and she's just doing like Props. bits of, but cause like you gotta think about like you, you could, if you're a comedian who used to be a porn star and you fuck like Donald Trump, like the stories you must have, if you could, if you had any type of awareness and like skill and all the things yeah. that it takes for a comedian to be a good comedian, like you have a treasure trove of stuff to talk about. Like who doesn't want to hear a, a porn outtake yeah. bit? You know what I mean? Like that's true. <clears throat> but but her thing that she talks about, like her the the depth that she probably goes with Donald Trump is like, and his dick was small, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's like the end of her comedic. Yeah. Like it's like yeah, she thinks that's the punchline. To me, it's like yeah, but you fucked him. Like, what does this yeah. say about you? Like, you fuck someone yeah. who you had no attraction to for money. Granted, great if that's what you wanted to do. But, like, are you really in a position to shame somebody at this point? Yeah, it would be great if her first al- her first hour is just, like, all Donald Trump porn stuff. And then the second one is, like, really insightful <laughs> <laughs> stuff about race and it's like Nanette. observational it's like- humor. <laughs> She comes out with her own net, <laughs> like blows. Yeah, up. exactly. That's so fucking funny. Yeah, that's so. Funny. I would do it. I would. I would open for her. But that's a tough one. That's like a tough room because, like, I uh, yeah. I had a a friend, a comic who uh, opened up for one of the guys that was on Sopranos, and uh, yeah. Oh wow. You know, is it Steve Shrippa? Like, no, it was. Um, I don't even know his name. Big pussy, I guess. Oh, that guy started doing stand up? Yeah, yeah. So oh, he does stand up wow. now, I guess. And then well, his friend. character. Vincent name Pastor. Is... Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he does stand up now and he, he the guy was telling me that his audience you know, it's just like people that just it's the audience is not people that want to see stand up. It's people that want to take pictures with him and get autographs after the show. So like, you know, it's they don't really great, care yeah. they'll huck you and do whatever. 
And then right. when he comes up, all he has to do is just go, they call me big pussy. <laughs> ah! Like it's, it's kind of an easy show for him. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, he only needs to do 20 minutes and then sign autographs. Like it's, it's not like a heavy, it's not heavy lifting, but for the comic opening up, it's like, they kind of hate you. Cause you're not him. <laughs> They're like, I came to see him. Can you, can we just what? get him already? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. So like, you can either the best thing I've heard someone do this is like if like a really famous person brings a, an opener and like, you know, the crowd is not there for that. The the famous person comes out and goes, hey, hey, guys, hi, is everybody? Oh, my God, it's the famous person we came to see. Guys, I have a really great friend that I brought uh, to do some comedy for you. Could you guys give him a lot of love? This is blah, blah, blah. If they introduce you, you're golden because it's like. You know, if you open for fucking, I don't know, Dion Warwick, yeah, <laughs> and she comes out and introduces you, then the the audience is like, "Oh, that's her friend. Let's be nice to her friend because we love her." That's really funny. That's the way to do it. Otherwise, they're just fucking leaving you out. And they're like, <laughs> "We know she's coming. Like, we know the yeah, person yeah, we're exactly. here for is coming." So, whereas before, they're like, "How long am I gonna have to wait?" Like, right. uh, and they curated this person for us. Rather than, I always find it strange when you hear stories of comics opening up for bands. Like, yeah. I just don't. Have you ever done that? No, I. You know what? Um, I'm trying to remember who the comic was now, and it, they. I remember a comic on like a podcast was telling a story about they used to be Nirvana's opener. Yeah, and how just fucking Jesus. terrible it was because like it's a rock club. Everybody's ready for Nirvana to like fucking melt their faces, and then all of a sudden. This yeah. guy comes out and he's like, oh, so what's, you know, we were just, it was in a cab today. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, stop this. Sushi's weird. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I've done shows that were both, like, there was a show in Williamsburg. It was a really cool room. I forget the name of it now. But they someone put on, like, a variety show. And the way that they did it was, like, the first, like, half hour or 45 minutes was comedians. And the last was music and a DJ or something. Mm -hmm. And it was clearly a room where everybody was there for the music. So the comics just went up. Everybody's talking, moving around. The type of shit that if you were doing it during a live music show, no one would notice because it's everything's so loud. But you're on stage and you're trying to get laughs and you're like, you realize that in a room of like 150 people, you might have eight of their attentions. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like there's just no, they're like, there was no reason for it to do it that like, it was just so stupid. So like, I've done those I, shows. They're terrible. I just don't think you can mix things one, like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. I did one one time in Florida where this comic who does magic also, um, he, he couldn't make a show. So he asked me if I would like fill in. And I was like real early in. I was probably like three months in or something like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I get there and it's a rock club. It's like a huge stage, giant ceiling, like just so much echo. Yeah. <laughs> right. And um, so the order was going to be like, there's there these two like magic, this magic act to magic duo. And uh, they're like 18 year old magic duo. And then I would go up and then this like band would come up. But they were like a fucking hardcore band. <laughs> so then like the magicians were like, oh, yeah, what's your name? Like, Christian? OK, yeah, we'll go up and then we'll introduce you and then you come up and whatever. They basically said like, yeah, just come up and introduce yourself. 
And I'm like, ah, all right, whatever. So then, um, so they get up there, they do their little, their magic show and everything. And then they're just like packing up on stage. And I'm like, all right, like, are you going to say that I'm coming up or, and they were like, oh yeah. They're like mid packing up. Like he didn't even get to the microphone. He's just like still like <laughs> crouched down, shoving st- stuff in this magic trunk. He's like, oh, we got a comedian coming up. And like, I just had to introduce myself. So I grabbed some dude's hat from the audience, put it on. And was like, this next comedian's really great. His name is Christian Durant. And I threw the hat back in. I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? And uh, it was awful. It was really bad. Like, oh, that's nobody too bad. Was listening. That was such a funny. Like, that's such a funny gag. <laughs> there was like one girl like kind of like paying attention, being like politely like watching the show. And I think she kind of enjoyed me. But I'm like, you know, two months in talking about my dick. Yeah. And, uh, so, like, did oh, you say okay. that? So there was hard rock, and then magic, and then comedy. It was co- magic, comedy, and then fucking brutal, like mosh rock. So, like, who has ever sat in their living room and they're like, you know what I want to do tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a magician, a comedian. You know and what? A three man. things I want mixed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nobody asked for that. <laughs> I want to be amazed. I want to laugh, and I want to mosh. Is that so hard? <laughs> Why like that has that show has to exist. There's gotta be at least twenty of them. <laughs> yeah, it was uh that sucked. That's so fucking goddamn funny, man. That whenever a audience whenever an audience member when like politely you know a show sucks whenever there's polite watching polite. that's occurring. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yep. someone they're not they're no longer enjoying a show. They're, they're just empathizing. Empathizing. <laughs> yeah, they're like yes. you. <laughs> yeah. And God damn, that is a bummer, Chrissy. I can't but. believe, like, when you look back uh, at when you know doing comedy long enough, where you're like, I can't believe I did that. You know, like, there's just a lot of moments where I'm like, I go, like, I ask myself, I'm like, man, am I working hard, or did I work hard enough, or like, do this and stuff. And you think about all the shows you did, all the terrible the terrible experiences and you go, I kind of worked hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, like I really, like I really put myself out there for like in really brutal situations. Sometimes. Past tense, Chrissy, you're making it sound like you're out of the game, dog. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm just, well, we all are. Like, oh man. It's like, that's the, the weird thing is like, I've, I've like, now that we're somewhat coming out of this pandemic and who knows if it's going to stick, but, uh, I, I've talked to a couple comedians and like, like Joe Alfano called me and he was like, um, I got a gig coming up. Can you do it? And I couldn't do it or whatever. And then I was like, he's like, do you know anybody else? And I was like, Rhett and Christian. That's all I like. I don't know anybody. I feel like, like, you know, there's certain people who you, the only reason why you remember them is because you just see them all the time. Yeah, it's true, like coworkers. Yeah. But if you don't yeah. work there anymore after like a year or so, you just forget they ever existed. And right, obviously, yeah. there's exceptions because there's obviously people you remember and stuff and social media and this, that, and the other. But like, mm-hmm. I literally like, I was like, I don't know any comedians. <laughs> I know my five <laughs> friends who are comedians. I don't know any other ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's what? like a couple. I mean, I haven't really kept in touch with like a lot of comedians other than you guys uh, during the pandemic. There's like, there's a few. But like for the most part, it's just like I told I might have told the story on here. Like the first time Wit, you and I did that uh, like open mic or something like in the middle of the pandemic. Right. 
outside of. We just yeah. went. I saw some dude that I see all the time, and it's seriously. It had been so long that it took me like, I didn't say hi to him for like ten minutes because I had to like figure out his name. I was like, I can't go over there yet until I remember this motherfucker's name that I saw all the time. Yeah, that's which is, by the way, what makes it so terrifying to, you know, be back in this getting into the swing of it. Because you're like, am I just starting over? (laughs) You know, it wasn't like, but you got, you know, like and then 10 minutes and then 10 minutes later, I was like, what's up, Wit? (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) Wait, wait, what do you mean? What's up, Never huh? Mind. Whitmer was a comedian that I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, the joke was, uh, was way too late. Yeah, <laughs> I thought of it way too late. Uh, yeah, you know, we did those shows back in October. I think it was October, September, maybe at the brewery in Virginia. Yeah, and uh, we did two shows. I forget. Was it? I think it was me, Brett, and Jordan. Right? Was it the three of us? I yeah, think so. It's I been so, so long, but it was like I can't remember yeah. if it was September, or October. That was the last time I did stand up, so you know it was a long time ago. And I just remember the first show, the first ten minutes being like I was really, really, really scared and nervous to go up. And the first ten minutes, I settled in and I I did okay for like twenty. I did like twenty twenty five minutes, and then the next night I just felt completely normal again. I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, I'm back. So it's like, yeah, I I feel like it'll be like that once we get back, but like. I found too that like doing stand up and having spots for like makes me write because I I'm thinking about the next time I go on stage and I'm thinking about comedy and I'm thinking about stand up and that makes like my brain kind of write stuff so like I feel like the stuff I've written stand up wise during this pandemic is like very little and I honestly don't like some of this stuff it's like pandemic related and it's like i don't even want like who's gonna want to hear that shit when we come out of this you know like so like Uh, you know know, and i guess you know you if it's funny it's funny whatever whatever but like i don't know i guess what i'm trying to say is is like i I don't even know what the fuck i'm gonna talk about when it comes back like sarah gets her second shot this weekend and then two weeks after that i I feel comfortable going and doing spots again and this uh, is i know what you mean and I just I mean, kind of don't know where what I'm going to talk about. I'm nervous, actually. But that I, I know what you mean. It's weird because you feel a sense of, I mean, I'm like, you know, I, I think we all are at a spot where I'm like, I really want to start like, you know, um, moving up in the stricter stature sense, even if that sounds hollow. I mean, it is valuable. But I'm like, it's weird because. I feel like I had a lot of material that would have done that for me and uh, material never got to see a more mainstream light of day. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Cause you're like, all right. So like, I'm giving not like, I would have loved to do some of those jokes on a late night set. Like I'm they're So they were, I'm some of them I'm really confident would have done awesomely. But then, so I'm like, am I, it's going to might be harder, but I'm like, I should just commit to, like being a new comic again with like truly yeah. starting over, even if it, I maybe you know, even with spots with stakes, like I think uh, it's valuable to just, I guess be a newer comic again. That's That's it. It's a big, it's a big reset. It's like, it's almost in a way like, I don't know. It, it can be refreshing. Like if you felt you were stuck or something or like, 
felt like, and I guess Brett, you're, you're saying like, you felt you're on the precipice of something when this all stopped and you know, that's, I don't know about that, but it, yeah, but it is just like, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying like, it could be like, everybody's back at square one. So like all the bullshit you had in your head about like that guy is only getting this because of that. And this, it's everybody's back at square one. So like fucking the Dave Chappelle is going to be doing club spots. So like no one's a, no one's a huge, you know, like comedian and you know, they are obviously, but like in the sense of like practically speaking spots related in New York city, so it's like you got to go to the open mics. You got to start your own show. You know, you got it's like yeah. it's the only way. Like you got to get back in. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna start doing mics, I think, and then start try to get my own show somewhere, and then you know we'll fucking pull it back together. <sighs> terrifying. I know, <laughs> dude. I, is, I would, I'm but like, it's true, legit though, like the scared. anticipation of it. Sorry, the anticipation you, of it is like way way worse than the actual doing of it because if you go up you bombed i bombed hundreds of times you know like who gives a shit so if you go up and you're worried about that first bomb but if you do it, it's going to feel like every other bomb that you've ever had and just like yeah it wasn't that bad it's, let me just go do another one to get it yeah get this icky feeling out of the way the funny it's weird like for some reason like i don't have a fear of bombing this is going to sound weird i don't have a fear of bombing i have a fear of like not doing well you know what I mean? Like, if you're eating a big dick up there, if you're bombing, it, it's just like, you know you're not that bad. You're like, this right. is just whatever happens today is making this situation happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you just go up there to, like, tepid reaction, and you're that's where you're like, the shit that I'm saying would have worked if it was funny. Yeah. But the shit that I'm saying <laughs> is not funny, and that makes you feel like shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, that's almost like, I almost, that's, I don't even know if that's where the fear comes in. I, I, I have no idea, but like, I think about it, I get like knots in my stomach thinking about doing stand up again. And like, I guess it's because I also don't know where I'm going to get up. I don't know who to t- even message. I don't know who has shows, what places yeah. are still open. You know, it's just like, there's so much uncertainty. I think that's what it is. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, this is the first time uh, Odir has dipped into existential existential dread <laughs> yeah. of, uh, yeah. of returning stand-up. back to normal. Yeah. Returning back to normal, we were like, oh, we might okay. have to go back in the studio. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we need three more years of quarantine. Uh, yeah, I ain't going back. I ain't going back. <laughs> this is like, it's like when somebody like that dude in Shawshank Redemption who kills himself because he can't Brooks. go back to normal life. Yeah. Never seen, never seen Shawshank. Oh man, you got to. I'm not going to shame you, but you got to. Good move. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that full, like the whole way through. Oh it's really? Like one of those movies. That's that like one of the best it's, movies. It's a movie that. That's what I hear. It's a movie I've seen enough of to be like I feel to not have to like sit and watch it, but it's uh, like I can cite it, but I've never seen it. Like you know what though? Stop. That that's that was true for me for the movie coming to America because coming to America was just yeah. always on growing up that I felt like mm-hmm. I would watch it in 10 to 15 minute intervals. And I'm like, yeah. I've had to see that whole movie, but I recently watched it and I was like, Oh, there's like a good half hour of this that I've never seen. <laughs> yeah. They're all fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's because wait, you were watching the Snyder cut of uh, yeah. <laughs> of coming to America. It's eleven hours long. It's in black and white because it's fucking edgy. So hardcore. So Christian, uh, we should talk about the biggest thing that happened in the nation in the last day or two. Um, oh yeah. How what happened with the uh, WWE yesterday? Anything? <laughs> well, speaking of which, Logan Paul actually was at WrestleMania. He did a little bit oh, at uh, WrestleMania. He, what? Um, he Wait, did... I can see Christian on your camera. It looks like there's is that a Logan Paul jersey? What the? <laughs> I'm a Logan bro now. I don't know if that. I, love I hope that's guy the name who of doesn't play man. like a team sport has a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just like took a center. The, I I got to give him credit though. He came in with the right attitude. He didn't come in going like, "Oh, people are gonna love me." He's like, "People are gonna boo the shit out of me, and they want to see me take a stunner." And that's exactly what he did. He's like, <laughs> "I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna be a heel, and then somebody's gonna stun me, and the crowd's gonna go nuts." And that's exactly what he did, and he it looked good too. So, so kudos he, to that's got to be so much fun. I mean, if you're if you're if if you're like someone who like cares about their image so much or whatever, you know, it's probably not. But like every actor I've ever heard talk about like being the villain in a movie is like they're like, it's the fucking best. It's like you can just go. You can just be evil as fuck. And like being a heel in wrestling has to be like so much fun if you like really embrace it. That's why, like, dude. Yeah, Christian, like John Cena is obviously a top, you know, one of the most successful wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. But do you think he had as much fun? Because I feel like he was always like this, like G-rated, like, "Hey, you shouldn't bully because that's yeah. mean." And I believe in being nice, right, kids? Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like he was that type of wrestler, which is like, yeah, you're a multimillionaire and super famous, but like, is that the performance of that? Is that fun? There's, that has to uh, suck. There's a term in wrestling like heels and baby faces. Baby face is a good guy. And then there's another term in wrestling, which is what John Cena was, is a white meat baby face, meaning that he's like completely like clean, rated G, right? Just squeaky clean. I love America and and uh, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. Kind yeah, of baby face, yeah, yeah. just wholesome, right? So John Cena, well, John Cena started as a, you know, like a no character guy named John Cena. Then he became like a white oh, rapper, Vanilla Ice type deal. But he was a bad guy. He was a heel. Because he, he sucked like, at rapping? I mean, he was. That was like the premise, the time, right? He yeah. was clever. He was clever. So he would be like, I don't know, he would just make fun of. He'd be like, I'm, I'm going to make Big Show so tight. He's a big hermaphrodite. And then people would be like, oh, my God, that's the best rap. <laughs> but he got over by being entertaining. And then slowly the character morphed from like this white rapper to just John Cena again. Captain and then started America. Becoming... <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. I mean, what a fucking kind of. weird transformation. <laughs> so then for like for years and years and years. But the thing was, he was Superman. Like they called him Super Cena at some point, the fans. And then he would just like beat everybody. Like he would pile two dudes on top of each other and then just pin them. And like, like the fans started hating him because he was so squeaky clean, but he was like impenetrable and vulnerable. And they wanted to see him go bad and stuff. So there was like just a long, weird period of time where he was the biggest heel in the company, but he was a good guy. So all the kids would be like, Let's go, Cena, and all the third, like forty-year-olds in the crowd go, Cena sucks. Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks, and they would ask him about it. But the thing was, he goes, you know, like 
if if half the crowd's cheering me and the other half's like booing me, like I got a hundred percent of the crowd and t- completely invested. So you say whatever you want. Yeah, I'm really, I don't have to turn to a bad guy because uh, I already am to half the people. Yeah. He, I think Vince McMahon should organ, uh, like orchestrate a Me Too for on him, so he has to come back and he's like the dirty boy of wrestling. <laughs> the dirty boy. Yeah. Sounds he, weird. He just embraces it. He just goes, ah. he does like the finger. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's right. I did it. What up? <laughs> that, yeah. Has there been a Me Too arc in wrestling, Christian? God, no, they, they can't. Be, they cannot do that. Why they not? Just I, they well, just can't. They can't. Why don't they have it be like the Undertaker? The Undertaker is like the Miz. I saw you touching a corpse. Like (laughs) I don't know. Like do it weird. Publicly, they're a publicly traded company, so they can't. They just can't. They just get there's too much flack. Like they could never do like a Black Lives Matter kind of thing. They could never do, uh, you know, just a racist character. They couldn't do an alt right character if they wanted to, which would be like funny. You know, just a, a QAnon dude. They kind of have one. There's a dude who thinks everything is a conspiracy against him, and he's got a documentary crew following him, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, oh my god! But you know, well, <laughs> and the funniest one was Daniel Bryan, who was like he he became a like uh, he was like a beloved good guy, but then when he became a heel, he um, he was like an eco friendly guy so he was like you guys are ruining the planet these single-use plastics are fucking fucking up the environment and you old boomers are like have polluted this planet i'm the planet's champion and he came out he like threw out the wwe title and like changed it made it with like hemp and gemstones (laughs) and he's like consumerism is fucking bullshit but he was the bad guy but the funny thing about it was like he would go on these rants and if you were a good guy, what do you like? What do you say? You know what I mean? You're like, fucking plastics rule. Like, <laughs> like there's not like, <laughs> there's no like, you can't, there's no counterpoint to it. <laughs> that is so, I mean, you could, ju- what would they say? Like, uh, that's the beside so, the, the point. Science, yeah, the science isn't completely out on, <laughs> on, on fracking. <laughs> like, He's lying. Fracking his jobs. Like, his, he, oh, my God. <laughs> or you just start like, just that's a ad hominem. I'm, I just want us to focus on home and to kick your ass. That's a yeah. separate point that I do agree with, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. But that, I mean, even that, him being an heel for saying that speaks to how – that is political like how yeah caring about the environment is somehow political or emblematic of being like kind of a pussy or a liberal bitch well i mean in vince mcmahon's world of course like you would and they kind of did like an antifa storyline but it was it was was so convoluted and so dumb like they had these guys come out in the like they had footage from the parking lot where they like set a generator on fire and then like in the arena they like the lights went off for a second and it was just so stupid they're like we're gonna destroy the wwe from within our name is retribution <laughs> or like whatever they're like we're gonna destroy it like we're outsiders all this stuff and then like a week later they're like retribution has been given wwe contracts and uh that was like the storyline. He's like, wait, they're like a force outside <laughs> that wants to see WWE end. So you gave them contracts and they accepted. So really what they wanted was contracts. Like it's just this dumbness. It's so dumb sometimes. 
<laughs> Sometimes, That's so funny. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> when it's awesome, it's awesome. But like, there's just so many times where like, you have to just go like, you just have to embrace how bad the decisions are sometimes. It, it, it sucks to be like, if you're wrestling, like in the way it was when, when I, when we were kids, um, and Christian, you're a teenager. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's been a minute since you did one of those. Uh, when we were kids, like wrestling was like so over the top, fucked up on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's yeah. like it's like the WWE dude, would, has had so much dude, success yeah. that like it has to be the safest version of fucked up now. So like they're yeah. really in this weird like purgatory type place where like they they can't do too much, but if they do too little, it's lame. So like, it's like, it's really sucks to be them. It's almost like, I I know that there's another wrestling thing that's popping off or whatever. It's like, they have all the benefit in this because they can do all of the fucked up things. They can do like the Me Too storyline because who gives a fuck? It's, it's almost like when you have to do press relations uh, integrated into the art or integrated into the writing when you have to like do PR within it, then it's going to make the art shitty. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they have stockholders to appease and they have a board to appease and they, they have like, Dude. you know, John Cena's done the most make a wish. Like they can't just have, they have a anti-bully campaign, right? They can't just, that's so funny, but that's so funny because it's just men both trying to bully each other. Yeah, uh, is all the thing is. But I mean, our era, the '90s wrestling, dude. There were like storylines. I was like, "Oh my god, he chopped his dick off!" Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, which is one of the most. <laughs> which is oh he's waving I mean, it around. It's oh, so true. Oh, he threw it at him. Oh. He just took it on the turnbuckle. He's going to suplex his severed dick. (laughs) Why? What's the point? Well, that storyline is so bad for so many reasons. Is that a real storyline? Yeah. Oh, my God. God. I thought we were just kidding. Dude, I'm throwing a fucking random one out there. They did a John Wayne Bobbitt or whatever the fuck that guy is. They did like a fucking dick chop off story. I'll try to explain this as, as, as quickly as possible so uh there's a porn star character named val venus is that re- you guys remember val venus no he bro out, he was a porn star and he would come out in the ring and go hello ladies and he would say <laughs> things like you know the big valboski's kind of like a energizer bunny because i could go all night <laughs> right over, and then beat up a dude so um the storyline was there was like this uh this japanese group named kai and tai and they're <laughs> Their manager is named Mr. Yamaguchi-san. So Mr. Yamaguchi-san brought his wife over and then Val Venus fucked her. And then Mr. Yamaguchi-san, mm-hmm. in order to get revenge, he tied Val Venus up. And then uh, he had a samurai sword. And <laughs> the infamous line, you can look this up. I'm not, you know, I'm just quoting what he said and how he said it. He goes, I choppy choppy your pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> and then they... That he, Vince he McMahon gets, wrote that line 100%. He goes, no, 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 no. say it this way. <laughs> so, so Vince, what line are you most proud of in your 50 years in wrestling entertainment? I choppy choppy your pee-pee. So he says, I choppy choppy your pee-pee, and then he just... And then he go, he slices the sword down, and but then the camera goes, oh, no, like the camera cuts out or whatever. And then uh, so the next week you find out that 
he was he didn't actually cut off um he only cut off the tip because he had shrinkage at the time <laughs> and then here's where it all comes full circle they had john wayne bobbitt come in oh what and, <laughs> yeah he actually made an appearance and then had like Coach Balvinus or something. I forgot what the wrestling. Oh was. my god, dude! So he actually did. Yeah. Honestly, if this was what wrestling still was, I would a hundred percent understand why people like it. That's yeah, fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea too. Like the idea of like people suspending reality to be like invested in it, but they don't realize how weird it is that there's a cameraman just filming a dick decapitation. <laughs> just that's like, what, that's. <laughs> That's the thing that wrestling has never figured out. They have never been able to go like, all right, guys, is the ca- do we agree that the camera is there or not? Because sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. So what are, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like is, if the camera's there, then why then why are like why is nobody helping this guy get beat up? <laughs> right? But if it's not there, then why like why are we pretending it's live? <laughs> Oh God, that's such a what a central, never figured out about the universe question. <laughs> yeah, that maybe it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I mean that's why people. I think that's why people have a hard time with it because they're like, this is so obviously fake, but because it's not being presented in a way that makes sense. But I went on too long of a wrestling rant when really the. <laughs> Brett was <sitting> <laughs> oh yeah, we're supposed her. to talk about George Floyd. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Really, <laughs> but more importantly, oh, no. is this this dick dick decapitation arc in the '90s wrestling. <laughs> I, you know, I think we all uh, probably the take the George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin. I mean, it's okay that we didn't talk about it. I think people will survive not hearing me talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think anybody was waiting yeah. for us to talk about it. They're not like I gotta turn on this week's oh dear. They're gonna talk yeah. about. Jovi. And then well, we, we get complaints. What the fuck? You didn't talk about it? <laughs> well, I just to, to, you know, to bring home this, this whole thing, because it's, it is the Oh Dear podcast. And one of our favorite things to talk about just made a statement about this, the, the uh, George Floyd uh, thing. Leo or OJ? <laughs> OJ? I saw OJ tweeted, or I think. OJ Simpson, the headline says, OJ Simpson says Derek Chauvin deserves to be convicted for George Floyd's death. <laughs> God, wouldn't it be great if he came on the other side of that? <laughs> oh, I mean. He's like, this is bullshit, dude. That would be amazing. <laughs> OJ. Yeah, so he got uh, convicted on all counts. You know what's crazy? I was thinking about him last yesterday. I'm like, he's, yes, he deserves to be, uh, he deserves to go to jail for this. He, he murdered a dude. It is crazy. Not crazy, but like. In his head, he's probably like, yeah, I mean, I'm paying for it. He's literally paying for every black person <laughs> that's ever been, like, killed by the police or whatever. Right. And not – I'm not saying it's not justified. I am just saying, like, you do – you're, like, you're taking the brunt of, like, hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the first guy to get, to take the fall for this. <laughs> and, like, there's been a lot of people who have been getting off scot-free, and you're going to be the example. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, pal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he shouldn't have had a counterfeit 20, you know? Oh, wait. It's wrong. <laughs> oh it's wrong podcast. Sorry. Oh, oh no. <laughs> now, that, this, the, the guy, justice was served. And I, I honestly, like, was anticipating it. And I was, yeah. And I was, oh, I, I had, I had in my head, I was like, this is, they're going to say guilty. There's just too much of this, like, 
This no, is this just yeah. the, the mood of it felt like this shit's over with. But as soon as it yeah. cut to live, and I was like, I was like, I was actually making pizza dough. I stopped and I walked in front of the TV, and instantly, like, I got like the biggest butterflies, and I almost felt like I was gonna like faint because I I was mm. so fucking nervous, and I was like, please don't don't do this again. Yeah, please don't do this again. But it yeah. was it was clear it was gonna be guilty when the jury deliberated for like. The one day. So like, that's the thing, though. I thought the same thing, but then I was like, "What if it's so the other way?" <laughs> you just go. There's no way they could deliberate for like an hour and be like, "He's innocent." Clearly, <laughs> like that would be fucking wild. I would go. I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Right. So like, once it was like a, there was no time, and it, that was when I like had a sense of like, okay, I think the. I think, I think we're good. You never officially know, but you're like, there's just no world in which like just they enter that jury room and like, you know, the guy's like, I mean, we all know he's innocent, right? Right. <laughs> we're all good here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but justice I, was served. Well, Chrissy, yeah, go. I, no, I was just going to say, I think we should wrap it up because I know it's got to be yep, out very I gotta, soon. Got to run. All righty, y'all. Any so, plugs, gents? ChristianDuranComedy.com, all your Christian Duran needs. King Latifah on all streaming platforms. YouTube.com slash Nick Whitmer. And uh, Brett Raybould on YouTube or TikTok. All right, guys. Thanks so much. See you next Peace. week. Peace. Bye.